everyone. Welcome to the Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Denham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. All right. Well, first of all, thank you so much for being here. For those of you who have been a part of this community and have been listening to the podcast for a little while, I am just so blessed to be able to uh, chat with you guys every Wednesday morning. And uh, if you're new here, I'm so happy that you found the show. And uh, I can't wait to hear your thoughts and what you learned from these beautiful guests that I get to chat with. Let's get into today's show. Uh, Nadine Artemis is with us. She is the author of Renegade Beauty and a couple of amazing holistic dentistry books. And uh, I found Nadine's book, Renegade Beauty, specifically a couple years ago now. And uh, it's such a beautiful book, like a coffee table book. And I remember it was always on our coffee table when I lived in Brooklyn. And uh, I would always just kind of pick it up when I wanted a new idea for how to better take care of myself that day or how to be more in tune with nature or try out a new like holistic recipe for beauty. And, uh, you know, then I came across Nadine's work again recently. And I was like, this is such a beautiful opportunity to uh, get her on the podcast. So let me tell you a little bit more about her and what she's up to. Nadine really invites us to rethink conventional notions of beauty and wellness and to let go of these established regimes and commercial products and to embrace a more free and natural practice around beauty. This is a practice of doing less and allowing the elements and the life force of nature to revive the body and the skin and the soul so that the natural radiance of our own beauty can really shine through. Um, and she, she really draws on current nutrition research to help us understand what foods are best for us and our skin and our longevity and which we might want to avoid, uh, especially as we shift toward chemical free and environmentally safe self-care products. And her teachings and her findings are really for anyone who wants to simplify their self-care routine and discover and remember that innate radiant beauty that we all have and basically take our health into our own hands. And uh, I loved this conversation with Nadine because she kind of demystifies so much of what we've been taught by society and this commercial understanding of beauty and aging, especially as women, we are just peddled with marketing and products, a lot of harmful products to, uh, you know, tell us that <laughs> aging is something to be scared of. And that's a big thing that I've been working on overcoming is really shifting my mindset into a place of gratitude for my body and really embracing every little fine line that shows up uh, to the best of my ability. Of course, like I'm still unraveling a lot of conditioning around that. I'm definitely still trying to figure out what the best way to age gracefully is going to look like for me because I am open to things like Botox even and laser and facials. Like I love beauty. I love all of that. Um, but at the same time, I have so much room to expand and really get back to those natural roots. So I really hope and I believe that I can, and we all can get to this point where we can really embrace the natural changes that are going on with our bodies and learn how to just accentuate what's already there and just take care of ourselves in the most holistic way possible. So in this conversation, Nadine and I talk a lot about uh, the sun and reimagining and 
understanding in a new way, our relationship with the sun, um, you know, all this rhetoric around the sun being so harmful and making sure that we're always lathered up in sunscreen. It's really interesting to have her reframe that and uh, understand that the sun is, is like food. It's like medicine for us. So Nadine really breaks this down in such a tangible and beautiful way and helps us understand like when the best time to be in sunlight is and how oils really help us. And I just love that section of our talk. We also talk a lot about uh, gut health and taking care of our gums and, you know, just everything holistic beauty that we can fit into this conversation we touch on. So lots to learn here. I'm so grateful that she was on the show and, um, enjoy. And of course we would love to know what you think, what you learn. So if you feel called to leave a review on iTunes, I'd be so grateful and so curious to know what you have to say. And uh, if you feel like a friend might benefit from this information, please feel free to send it along. And while you're listening, you can find Nadine on Instagram at Nadine Artemis Official, and she's also the founder of Living Libation. So check that out too, Living Libations Official. And I'm at Helen Denham underscore. So hit us up. Let us know what you're thinking. We always love to hear from you. And uh, I think that's it from me. I will talk to you on the flip side. question that I love to ask guests is how do you like to start your day off? Do you have any rituals or routines that you go to? Well, my absolute favorite thing is when we can be with the sunrise, you know, on a non-cloudy day. So, you know, that's often seeing the sunrise and that's just the best way to start. And usually that's just a family moment, a family moment in the summer, you know, we'll probably roll out onto the dock watch the sunrise that way, go swimming. That's, that's my favorite. And we're just coming upon that season. So I'm really happy. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh my gosh. That sounds ideal. Have you always been like an early riser or did you kind of work into getting up for sunrise? I think it's all different. Like, but for me, if I am near the sun, I will wake up for the sunrise. Like if I can see it. So that before we got our, I mean, that was on our list for when we were finding our land. We got, we like, we have to see the sunrise and sunset. Oh, beautiful. And who's, uh, tell me about your family a little bit. Do you have children? I do. We have, so I've got my partner, Ron, and then we have our son, our one and only son, Leaf, who is almost 14. Yes. He'll be 14 on solstice. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. So that's a real journey of raising a kid, but it's super fun. Yeah, absolutely. So I will have given, you know, a little introduction about what you are up to and what you've been focused on, but I'd love to hear from you first about your, your kind of journey into holistic healing and wellness and what that's looked like. Well, it was kind, it was kind of early on. I had uh, like a normal teen life, so to speak, and was into all the regular potions of the day. And they're really, you know, this is back in the, in the 80s and 90s. So there's not, you know, there really was, we didn't know anything else, right? There's just, you get your food at the supermarket and, uh, you know, you, eat and you get your cosmetics at the, at the cosmetic counter or the drugstore. So, I mean, but seeing, I mean, in grade nine, I definitely was exploring how to make natural perfumery and came across my first essential oils. I didn't get the difference between synthetics and natural at the time, but definitely those ingredients spoke to me. I was also really excited that I could have the raw materials that would make up a perfume. 
rather than just blending <laughs> the perfumes in my bathroom that were like just, you know, commercial perfumes. And, and I definitely would be always mixing stuff in my bathroom or like melting the lip balm with the white Christian Dior eyeshadow, you know, to make things. But it's not like there was a lot of health food stores around and that kind of stuff at that time. And then I, 18, I'm at university, you know, taking care of myself, making my own food. And I'm also I'm skipping school that day. And I did see this Lisa Binet on a talk show talking about, um, you know, food and its connection to health and the environment. And that was really new, really new. And, and it really spoke to me. And uh, also, luckily, there was a little health food store on my way home. It was in the back, like it was in a house. It was just like a converted house. It was called Grains and Beans and Things. And I would visit there every day, eventually bought every book, every bean. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of good stuff in those books. And I, I got a book about like really understanding the supermarket and reading labels. Mm-hmm. And that was revolutionary. And so I really understood about the whole food system, manufacturing food, and you know, just looked over at my skincare and really got the whole picture. So I was excited to make food. And, and then I really explored a lot of culinary stuff at that time. Like, you know, so where I narrowed choice in food, because I was no longer eating processed food, but I was exploring like tajiki and wakame and like, you know, like 50 types of seaweed. Well, I'm exaggerating, you know, or like nuts, like what, like who knew you could make nut milk? Right. So I was learning all that, even though I'd go to courses like in the back of a bookshop, it would be like me and two people learning how to make like tajiki salads and like milk out of cashews so it was very early on (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it really helped me understand cosmetics and then I was like so like while it was devastating to find out the you know the fallacy of the fuzzy peach bath oil and that it never had seen a peach I was super excited to like have an excuse to make my own stuff I was like well cool and then it was really about diving into the raw materials that make up things and then where do you find them and then about quality and then I would you know I was like writing all over the world I made up little letterhead I had a little pamphlet for the products that I made it was called Artemis Essentials and I'm doing this all while I'm going to school and then in school finally caught my stride with what I wanted to learn and I was doing um, you know cross-curricular stuff curriculum stuff with um, philosophy English and women's studies so then I would have classes where we would like or I'm writing essays on midwifery or the female orgasm in Western culture or uh, the horrors of like the various birth control, the history of like the medicalization of women's bodies or thalidomide, um, hysterectomies, you know, just like the whole history and then looking at other cultures. And so it was really wonderful to do this deep dive and also reading things like the beauty myth and really seeing the path of like the medicalization of women's bodies, the lack of understanding of women's bodies, because for hundreds of years, the, the model to understand the body was just the male. And if you're looking at the male body, you may not understand menstruation, multiple orgasms, breast health, you know, <laughs> just yeah. may not work out. So I just found like so much synergy in that connection too, of like even more reasons to escape chemicals that had endocrine, you know, that create endocrine dysfunction or like have a toxic buildup in our bodies. So to me, that intersection of health and beauty 
just made so much sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you explain it like that, especially tying in your women's studies with, um, wellness and beauty and eating well, it just, it makes so much sense. And you just shifted my perspective completely because yeah, we really didn't see a lot of female anatomy at all in our textbook. No. Um, wow. no, and again, even if, even if it kind of caught up to that, there's still these decades of like, really just not understanding the functioning because just that, that other image was in the way, you know, or like only, so let's explore women's orgasms, but only in contrast to what we're seeing from the male orgasm, instead of just like, that's a female orgasm, that's a male orgasm, let's just look at them, you know, but it was always set up to be like, you know, or the vagina is the inverse of a penis and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Totally. And it's so different for, for, you know, each of us and how we experience ecstasy like that and uh, Mm -hmm. what it actually takes to reach orgasm is so emotional. And uh, yeah, I'm so glad that you're talking about this because it really does all tie in together. And, um, you know, it really seems to have this umbrella of just self-respect and self-love and nurturing and uh, learning about ourselves on a really intimate level. And uh, it does make a lot of sense that you might start with food there. So what was your upbringing like? Were your parents raising you to eat really well? Or like, what was that initial spark of curiosity that really made you start to pay attention to what you were putting in your body? Yeah, I would say like it's pretty normal, like middle-class Canada, (laughs) Um, you know, just very lucky and, um, life, you know, good, you know, good schools, good upbringing, all of that. My, I mean, normal eating, although I would say like my mom sort of with my brother, she was like, Oh yeah, I don't think, you know, you know, sugar and food dyes was an issue, but it's like, we like, so maybe we ate corn flakes instead of fruit loops. Mm-hmm. Right or Rice Krispies instead of Honey Smack, whatever I don't know what they're all called. So you know, or brown sugar instead of white sugar. But then, like for example, when I was really understanding the food thing at university, I was like, you know, you just go, oh my god, brown sugar is white sugar with molasses. Oh my god, yeah. You know, like or like corn syrups and everything. So just sort of like really getting to know all the ways like of quote unquote food science, which is this a lot of similar stuff with uh, beauty care. So it was a very normal upbringing. Uh, I had a kind of a renegade rebellious spirit for sure. But so then I found like what was cool about these discoveries when I was at university was to me, I found then I could take that renegade rebellious energy and then fully channel it into something that was constructive because to me, the beauty that I was discovering seemed like just right up my rebellious, you know, way. Like I was just like right on. Now I've got purpose to my rebellion and that felt good. (laughs) So what do you consider your overall purpose or mission to be right now? Uh, I don't think if I, I don't know if I think in those terms. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a very big question to ask. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess when you're you're working and, and you wrote Renegade Beauty, which is, by the way, I found your book when I was working at a meditation studio a few years ago and took it home mm. and just was pouring over it. And um, it kind of came full circle for me to get to talk to you today because it was really like, it refreshed my entire understanding and perspective of coming back to our natural roots and really like learning how self-sufficient we can truly be uh, in tandem with our natural surroundings. 
Um, mm -hmm. But you know, from hearing what you've talked about, it, it sounds like your your mission is to kind of put the power back in our own hands and really give us a sense of like responsibility in a beautiful way to really truly take care of ourselves um, in detail. Yeah, and to widen our relationship with the cosmos because I mean that's you know I definitely you know I don't know what's made the planet or the universe and all that, but obviously whatever's making plants grow and making our bodies breathe we are connected to something larger than ourselves and our bodies and i feel like that's what we've got to tap into and we kind of need a modern understanding of that because we're also luckily in a time when we don't when we have safety from the elements so now we can engage with the elements as in the sun and water and the earth and air in a new way because we have shelter we have, you know, many of us have shelter and running water and that kind of stuff. So now we can partake in a way that isn't based on survival. Mm -hmm. But yeah. we're forgetting that it actually exists because we've taken the survival element out and we're forgetting that that's it's not really, you know, about another bottle or jar of anything. But let's get back to that foundational connection to the cosmos, to the elements. And I think of that as cosmoetics. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Oh, I love that. What does your relationship to spirit or source energy look like? Like, how do you feel like you're connecting to that, um, you know, bigger part of the world and the cosmos? Well, I feel like it's just really about connecting to like the inside of you, mm -hmm. you know, and I feel like, you know, it's kind of going in through the outdoor inside. I don't know, feel it connecting inside, then eventually kind of just expands to that feeling of like looking up at a starry night sky. Mm -hmm. So like you're going in, but then it's infinity after that. Yes. And do you have any particular like mindfulness practices that you go to or any kind of rituals almost that connect you to source again and like really help keep you grounded? Well, I'm pretty contemplative. So I know that I definitely always need time to think, which is a little bit uh, different than meditation. It's a little more awake or like active. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also need to, to meditate. I need to have time for that, but it's not nothing fancy. I mean, it's just literally, you know, I can do it, you know, just do it anywhere, just tuning in and, uh, just getting centered for a few minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's that. And then it's like, and then connecting to, you know, for me, sunbathing is, is a practical and beautiful ritual. Uh, swimming in the lake, walking in the woods, those, th that's how I just get that connection going. And, and then just sort of a philosophy, but it feels natural to me because it's, I feel like I was kind of born with this perspective. So it's just about aligning with it and remembering it and loving it. And I feel like, you know, it is, you know, for lack of a better word, a positive attitude or appreciation. I feel like those for me, are just really good pillars of existence. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds like you're just in flow. And I think for a lot of people, maybe starting on a journey to reconnect with themselves, it's, it's about remembering and coming back to that place over and over again. And it sounds like you're in that place. And, and what's reminding you to stay there is your connection to nature. I love what you just Yeah. Said. I mean, there's always, you're always going to drift. You can't be in alignment like all day long at all. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you might not feel aligned for hours at a time or days at a time, but it's about, it's just really knowing that you can always go back and you can find your way. Yes, absolutely. It's always there. It is. Um, I want to talk to you about sunbathing too, because 
this is something that's like so interesting in our community as well, because there's a lot of fear around the sun right yeah. now and about wearing yeah. sunscreen. And I'm kind of walking this line myself where I'm like, okay, I'm going to wear my sunscreen, but I also want to take, you know, 15 minutes to just sit in the sun and just like allow it in. Like, how can you help us wrap our heads around like the sun being a beautiful medicine? Mm -hmm. Well, just, I will talk about now. And also if anybody wants to go deeper, we have some articles on the website, but I've also done a deep dive in, in my book. And that's where, you know, I will cite the medical journals and everything like that. So, because it's important that we look at it through, you know, understanding for me, I can, we can look at the sun on a total philosophical level and that like, it's, it's, you know, its position in our hearts and souls for eons. So there's that aspect, but also the scientific understanding. And it's really key to know that I will, A, I think a lot of people just feel good in the sun. So you like yourself, you're getting this other information and yet you kind of like, yeah, but those 15 minutes feel good. And if we look around, we can kind of tell that the sun is really responsible for all the growth and life forms on the planet. And if there was no sun, we wouldn't be alive. So that's got to help us put us in a bit of perspective for its danger. Um, and of course, any element can bring danger, right? Like water and all that kind of stuff. But on a really practical level, it's important for us to know that our skin was designed to be exposed and engaged with the sun's rays. When sunbeams connect and touch our skin, there's a lot of different catalytic processes that are so essential for the body, including the generation of this precursor steroidal hormone that we call vitamin D, which is like this liquid lube inside the body so when sunbeams connect with the skin we create that and we have thousands of vitamin d receptors vdrs for short all over our body and these vdrs need to be brimming with the vitamin d from sunbeams for our innate immune system so with modern science, we can now tell why the sun was used at the turn of the century in hospital settings. And there was even the Nobel Peace, Peace Prize awarded in 1902 for heliotherapy, for sun therapy. Now we're understanding why this you know, sun was so important for viruses like Epstein-Barr and that sun cleans the blood and that the sun on skin creates um, antimicrobial peptides. It creates nitrous oxide, among so many other things. So it's very important. And we can't get all of that from just taking a vitamin D supplement because the vitamin D supplement is different in the vitamin D that's created with sun on skin, which is a water-soluble form of vitamin D. And so we do need this inner loop. And our skin, I mean, our DNA can actually handle and process a burn better than it can handle six, eight hours of sunscreen on its skin. So wow. we've got that understanding of our skin going on. And then we also, um, when we look at the sun's rays and sunscreen, so in the 90s and early 2000s, maybe we learned a lot about 
the endocrine disruptors in sunscreens ingredients, you know, like some of the stuff, you know, because there'd be good liver issues, fertility issues, you know, uh, toxicity issues in the liver, that kind of stuff. Um, one of the main ingredients that makes sunscreen active is oxybenzene. That ingredient has been banned in a few countries, including European countries, but is still on the market as the main ingredient in, U in the U.S., and that is a non-carcinogenic ingredient until it's exposed to sunlight. Wow. So that, that, there's that sort of level of ingredient insanity. But the other thing that's fascinating is that when we apply sunscreen, we're separating our reception of the UVA and the UVB rays. So now We've separated out UVB, we're not getting any UVB, and that is the vitamin D generator. And now we're getting UVA ray without UVB. And when those rays are separated, UVA on its own is like the sun damaging ray. It's like if you're, if you, let's say you're driving in LA, always the same traffic time, and so you've got one arm that's just by that window and it's getting the sun, the western setting sun, you know, as you're driving home. You know, that's going on for months or years that arm will most likely be more freckled mm -hmm. and that's just UVA without UVB for an example. So it's important that we're getting the whole spectrum of the sun. And also I feel like there's stuff that we don't even know about, about other rays and other spectrums. So yeah, we want to, you know, we do, we can allow the sun in, but we want to do it wisely and we want to start slowly. You want to start in the spring and you want to build it up. And you want to tan, it's, it's good to tan up until about solar noon, which could be, you know, one, one o'clock in your area. And you want to get that morning sun till about one o'clock. So like not the 11 to three thing, I think is a bit outdated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then depends on, you know, and then you're going to build it up. And obviously Irish people are going to be tanning less than uh, a Greek person. <laughs> right. So like little, little increments and work your way up to really just sitting in the sun for a super long time. Yeah. And as much as your body as you can expose and like, you know, here the sun rays uh, start having vitamin D in, or they're, they're, they're um, uh, long enough again, because once we get out of winter, so around mid-February, we can start generating vit vitamin D again with the sun rays up here in Canada, where I live at the 45th parallel. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I start. And it may be snow everywhere and it may be like minus five outside, but I'll just, you know, open the windows and eventually like, you know, start, first I start with that patch of sun in my, in my home with the windows open and I'll crawl out to the deck, you know, yes. eventually. And then by July, you know, then I can just have a quick 20 minutes, half an hour. Mm -hmm. And you really want to get as much skin as exposed as possible. Um, you know, make a little wind sheltered area. And if, you know, you're hesitant, about what I'm saying, you know, wear a hat then. Don't tan your face. Um, if you know, and or and always my I always do tan my face for less because it 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 handles less sun, you know. So I'll tan it for maybe 10 minutes, then put on my hat, and then I'm doing the rest of the body and you rotating it. And you can get a lot of time out there. You gotta do the back, the front, the sides, you know? <laughs> oh yes. Okay, so there are a few things I want to touch on here. You are a wealth of knowledge. Thank you. <laughs> You've just explained so much about this that I wasn't familiar with, but um so I guess the first thing, the kind of superficial point I want to touch on is most people are wearing sunscreen because they don't want to get wrinkles and like they want to slow down the aging process, I guess, um, which is a whole nother conversation in itself around beauty standards. But like, um, 
if we're working our way up slowly to really exposing ourselves to sunlight, does that, you know, help us age a little more gracefully, you think? Well, yeah, contrary to like, you know, the modern, it's sort of like our thoughts on the sun changed, you know, in the 50s, 60s, getting more intense, 70s and 80s, that kind of stuff. So, but what, where I'm seeing what we call classic sun damage from my research, to me, I think it is coming more from the processed foods, which generally have over 20% of um, like synthetically processed polyunsaturated fatty acids, which that's that it's not all polyunsaturated fatty acids, but it's the mazola, the canola, corn, soy, all that rancid omega-6 that's been deodorized, winterized, plasticized, going into the body and really disrupting cellular processes. Mm. That is your age spot maker. <laughs> gotcha. Yep. Such a good point. So there's a much deeper root issue there with eating. Yeah. And I mean, of course, then there's other things like hormones, birth control pills, or a pregnancy. There's things that can add onto that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is, is one of the biggest issues of melasma. Yes. And so, but the interesting thing is, it's like, it's the melanocyte layer. So we've got in the top layer of our skin, which is tiny, it's like one, it's like, like a credit card, the side of a credit card thin. In that thin layer is five layers. So we're all talking microscopic here. And the fourth layer before the basal layer, which is the basement layer, so to speak, the bottom layer is the melanocyte layer. Melanin, melanocytes. So it's that layer that would produce melasma, that kind of thing. And so it's that whole melanocyte system that we really want to have healthy. Hey there, just popping in for a second to tell you about my new offering, Cultivating Confidence. This is an online self-mastery course that I've been developing over the last few months, but I honestly feel like I've been working on this for my entire life. (laughs) And I'm so happy and I'm so grateful to be at a point now where I'm really able to share this with the women in my community. So it's an online go-at-your-own-pace course with eight modules, and it includes EFT tapping, guided visualization meditations, affirmations, transformational workbook prompts, goal setting, developing a daily practice, and so much more good stuff. I've really included actionable steps in every single module for you so that you are really doing the work. And you're going to discover a lot about yourself through doing this. It's really amazing what happens when we invest in ourselves and show up for ourselves. It's a way of communicating to ourselves that we love ourselves and that we believe in ourselves. So if you're ready to look into this and you're ready to take the next step and really step into the next version of yourself and align with that highest version of yourself, this might be just the thing for you. So you can go to HelenDenham.com to check that out and you'll see a link for the course and let me know if you have any questions but thank you so much for listening and back to our conversation i also wanted to get your thoughts on the chemical ingredients that are so different in the united states like it's just nuts how much (laughs) the u.s allows in our products so if we're looking for, you know, a little sunscreen or something to put on our skin, what should we, any recommendations for what we should look for, like zinc-based products or what to avoid? Yeah. So, um, 
I, I was testing like different pigments and plants and I went into the desert in like my early twenties and was just testing like for real. I was like, okay, calendula, St. John's wort, like what are you all doing? And from there I did create Everybody Loves the Sunshine, which is more of like a golden tanning oil. So it's rich in pigments and beautiful oils that will extend and harmonize your time in the sun, but not like, it depends again, are you the Greek person or that Irish person? The Irish person, it might extend their time in the sun by like maybe 10, 15 minutes um, at the beginning and hopefully you can build up. The Greek person, I mean, that might be all they need all day. And then it's just gonna make whatever they got going on richer and deeper and just so lovely. So with SPFs, it's like only a category for synthetic ingredients that have been like certain ones that have been lab tested that can make that claim. That being said, I'm just sort of using that as a metaphor because like a six, seven, eight on one level, you can kind of find that feeling in like the jojoba coconut oil or an olive oil, like even just literally a pure olive oil you could use as kind of a golden tanning oil. And it's going to kind of edge up your time in the sun and kind of be like a six. But again, they're not really comparable categories. Um, now, then the only really other natural option is zinc, but, and that's a block. So that's not an SPF, it's literally blocking, and how that's working is it's deflecting the sun's rays, so they're bouncing off your skin instead of being absorbed, and that's how it works as a sunblock. And to that, we add, um, you know, so we basically just took our Everybody Loves the Sunshine formula and then we made a zinc version. And we've also got other ingredients that like red raspberry seed oil, which has shown to be able to scatter UVA rays and kind of, again, you can't give it an SPF equivalent, but it does really help harmonize the sun's rays. Amazing. So using oils is actually really helpful for us to like extend our, uh, our time in the sun. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's and then you can beautiful. take that, and then if, if by chance there was too much sun, you mm -hmm. can use it. Everybody loves the sunshine again, and it will just, you know, most people. I mean, obviously it depends on the on the amount of the the burn or whatever. Obviously there can be severe, but you can it really will calm things down and possibly turn that all golden the next day. You mm -hmm. can also use things like peppermint or lavender if it did go too far. You know, mm -hmm. add that to the sun oil or a little bit of apple cider vinegar diluted in water or, you know, an aloe vera plant. Those are all good things. Beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, another thing is just it seems like getting enough sun is so directly correlated with our mental well-being and our happiness levels. Oh, totally. Well, also, we have over 3,000 scientific studies that show that we need ample amounts of vitamin D. We need to be sufficient in vitamin D to prevent a myriad of diseases, including we slash our risk of breast cancer by having sufficient vitamin D. We slash it by 50%. Wow. Juvenile diabetes, the number one cause is, well, I think it's maybe it's the number two cause. It's a large cause of um, it's children that are born from mothers that didn't have enough vitamin D while they're pregnant. Wow. Which is, to me, I find that fascinating. So you can really see, like, it's not just about sporting a golden tan. It's literally, you know, making sure that you have, like, these systems in your body working. Right. Like, literally encoding your DNA for success. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. And, like, gene expression, gene regulation, you know, it's so key. And it's, and like, I'm glad. I'm glad we have science. Like, science, and I, I also, uh, in the book, correlate 
um, scientific studies around, um, you know, that there was studies that show it's actually perhaps the use of synthetic lighting, fluorescent lighting that creates things like, um, uh, the word's escaping me, serious skin cancer. I was going to call it melasma, but that's not it. And there's something that just feels wrong about that kind of lighting. I mean, and it's crazy yeah. that all of these kids in school are under these fluorescent lights. Well, and the, yeah, and those studies were done before, like in, I think it was the early 90s. So it's before we all were like with the screens all day. Right. And it showed that, you know, if you live closer to the equator, if you have more recreational time in the sun, then your chances of developing um, that cancer, I was just, it starts with the M. How come it, I can't, anyway, that one, it's the major one that's very serious. And pe- no, that's, uh, yeah, that's just the hyperpigmentation. Oh yeah. But yeah, we all know what I'm talking about. Melanoma? Just, uh, yes, thank you. There we go. <laughs> I was saying melasma too much today in melanocytes and stuff. I'm like, it's the other one. Yes. <laughs> but you see, that's all because that, it's all about that layer of skin at the melanocyte layer. Ah, oh my gosh. I'm just now, I'm outside, moved outside. Yes. Okay. So now that we're on this topic, I know you've done some beautiful research too about um, oral and dental hygiene. So can we talk a little bit about that and what we should know about taking care of our teeth and, and our system there? Yes, for sure. I mean, it's a big topic. Um, I have a book on it called Holistic Dental Care. Also in Renegade Beauty, there's a deep dive in, uh, there's a whole dental chapter. Um, so just like, because I may say things and then you may want to know more. Totally. <laughs> um, yeah, so again, it's a key part of our body. And for me, I guess, uh, you know, I definitely feel like health and beauty are inextricably bound. I mean, for me, if I feel good, then I'm going to feel better. I'm going to feel beauty. Um, so to me, health is just so key. And to me, healthy skin is really going to be achieved through health, not through a bunch of jars of stuff, like especially if they're synthetic, right? Then I'm going to be in a vicious cycle with like stripping the skin down and then trying to plump it back up with petroleum oils or soy or that kind of thing. Um, so where were we? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we were transitioning a little bit into dental care. Um, oh, yeah, dental. you researched this so well. Yes. But like we're all yeah. things beauty and, you know, hygiene. Yes. Like, yes. Anything well, for sure. Because, well, there's the skin microbiome, which is a big part of our microbiome. There's the, di- the, the gut microbiome, which is very much connected to our oral microbiome. So having, we want to have a healthy microbiome because while we have a lot of cells and we have billions of cells, but we also have billions of bacteria making up our biome and really they're running the show. And to such an extent that's really, we're just really learning about in the past couple of decades. So before 2000s, we didn't really even know about the microbiome and a lot of our, you know, things that we're putting on in and around our body were coming out of that lack of knowledge, mm-hmm. so to speak. So many of the medicants and modern skin care or modern dental care is actually mutating the mouse microbiome or the skin's microbiome. Interesting. So, you know, and now like, so for example, mouthwashes that are commonly found in drugstores, they create over 36,000 cases of oral cancer a year. So now we're like understanding more though, like, going, oh, so perhaps it wiped out a bit of the microbiome that was keeping things in balance. 
because we're really understanding that more now. Like for example, strep is uh, found in everybody's mouth and it's a cavity causing bacteria. So, you know, how is it causing cavities or throat issues for some, you know, how is it getting out of control in some people and not others? And so what researchers and scientists are understanding now is that perhaps, you know, strep is missing its ancestral bacterial buddies that normally keep it in check, mm. which is the same thing with like H. pylori, which is um, a gut thing issue for people now. But we're like, oh, it kind of always was supposed to be there, but we had more diversity before that we're kind of holding that in check. And so now we also are able to understand that many of the ingredients that I like using in oral care and that have been used for like the past thousands of years for oral care. Now we have the science sort of backing up. Why, why were we drawn to that as people? So things like frankincense, clove, cinnamon, cardamom, tea tree, you know, plant matter used in various cultures, but often for oral care. And now science is showing us that these beautiful botanicals um, among their arsenal of activity is that they are able to be quorum sensing inhibitors. That's QSI for short, which really just means that the essential oils are, have an activity that's able to keep pathogens from grouping up, gaining traction and having gene expression. Mm. So, and the cool thing is the essential oils are able to bust through some of these bacterial biofilms but at the same time, they're able to work with the beneficial bacteria and not eradicate it. So they're able to clean up the pathogens and work with the friendly bacteria. And that is awesome when we think about taking care of our teeth and our gums and, the, you know, we need some antibacterial action for helping, you know, breath and, and also getting our gums back into good health because a lot of the ingredients that are common like those alcoholic um, mouthwashes or the, I guess they're not alcoholic, but containing alcohol. Oh, yeah. And the, um, you know, toothpaste with surfactants like sodium lauryl sulfate, which literally make gums bleed and recede. Oh, my goodness. I mean, this is really yeah. makes so much sense because I have a dear friend who um, takes such like, quote unquote, good care of her teeth, like almost to a crazy extent. And she's having so many problems like cavities and gum receding issues. And I'm like, this doesn't even make sense really, because she's, you know, taking extensive care, but like, the care that she's taking is really flawed, um, because she's using mouthwashes like that. And like, you know, these, yeah, things- it, can, it can create a vicious cycle that we can't keep up from. And that, yeah, it is disappointing when you're just being so diligent and pristine, yet still showing up at the dentist with issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, there's, so there's the topical care of our teeth. And then also really the root of it is, uh, you know, nutrition. Yes. And so what's really key to understand about the teeth and, you know, isn't taught in dental schools, but is known by, like, I learned this from dentists. So these are, you know, maverick dentists that have really, you know, done research and developed the field. And that is, because again, I like to, when I'm thinking about the body, I think if we just step back, what's actually supposed to be happening here? How does the body naturally take care of this? So for, in this instance, our mouths, because we weren't born with a toothbrush and a bottle of crust in our hands. So I always like to ask, like, what's the body system that, you know, was designed to take care of our teeth for our lifetime? And then 
how do we get out of the way of that or how do we help that system? And so what's super fascinating is that, of course, there is a system, and I like to call that the invisible toothbrush. And what's so amazing is that the teeth have a dentineal lymph system. There's a lymphatic fluid that flows through the teeth. Huh. And your dentist may not know this, but it's like the heart and soul of the whole thing. Yeah. So when we chew, substrates act like chemical messengers, communicate with the hypothalamus, like I feel like all things do. That's the grandmaster gland switch that's really is a conductor of the endocrine system. And so, um, and they, they were able to do these thousands of studies to prove this and they use like x-ray fluid uh, to trace it through the body. Anyway, it goes into the digestive system. Then the nutrients in the form of blood come back up to the mouth, you know, in this whole process. And then the each tooth is like kind of like a tree and there's a root system, and those roots draw up and in the, draw the blood up into the pulp chamber, which is the center core of the tooth, and through another whole, like just fascinating series of different biochemical actions, the odontoblast, the the liquid gets fenestrated through the odontoblast, and then that blood liquid becomes a clear lymphatic li liquid that gets pumped out through the tooth and out onto the surface of the tooth like microscopic sweat. Whoa. And that fine fluid coalesces with your saliva to, you know, take care of the whole mouth, the whole, like, it's like a little sea of alkalinity in there. And then it can even go and like go to teeth that need special special fluid care, you know, the body's just sending it there like a tree. If it gets a wound, it sends in sap inside to that area. And so that is the system. So if we are stressed as, you know, uh, pregnancy times, I'd say like teenage hormonal times, sort of that natural stress, um, poor diet, where, you know, where we were kind of obsessed thinking it's the sugar and the acids on the tooth, but it's more, it's actually the sugar in the body affecting the blood sugar levels. And so, and then just other chemicals or different stressors, not enough minerals in the diet that will cause the system, this dentineal lymphatic system to be stagnant. And so you're not getting that nutrient out onto the tooth. Now, if that gets worse, that system actually reverses and then the tooth sucks in stuff from the mouth into the tooth. Oh, man. And then you're bringing in like virus bacteria, like all the stuff that isn't getting filtered out. And wow. that is actually the genesis of how a cavity is formed. This is like groundbreaking <laughs> yeah. information for my brain. This is really cool to learn about. So, okay, a couple questions. First on gut health, since it seems yeah. to be related to gut health. What are you doing to keep your uh, gut in check and healthy and just support it? What can we do? Well, we want to avoid glyphosate foods, which is like your GMO pesticide stuff. Because that like, like on such, because the theory there is that the glyphosates work on the shikimate pathway and humans don't have that. But every single bacteria in our body has the shikimate pathway. Do you see what I'm saying? So like it is going to go into all the bacteria and we're, yeah. we're basically just bacteria. So maybe we don't, but our bacteria does and we are billions of bacteria. Mm -hmm. And that literally is like not a good thing for the guts. Yeah. Um, so there's that. And then there's just foods that can create 
microscopic perforations in the gut. Well, that's the whole thing. And so if it's microscopic, your, your guts are supposed to be like tubes that are sealed and hermetic. And then the, the proteins and all that stuff's just doing its work in the tubes. It's not supposed to escape from the tubes. So that's when, you know, micro, um, you know, micro protein stuff get into the bloodstream. So we do, we want to have sealed guts. We want to have sealed gums. And to me, that process of the invisible toothbrush, when it gets reversed, is kind of like having a leaky tooth. Mm-hmm. And when the guts aren't sealed, we call that a leaky gut. So that's when you can get a pr- proliferation of like candida and different fungus. So you want to heal and seal the gut. And there's been a lot of people that have written about that. Um, but I feel like the best thing that I have found that would be fastest and the cleanest is a peptide called BPC-157, <laughs> which is kind of a whole other subject, but it stands for Body Protective Compound 157. It's a natural peptide, which means it's a short chain amino acid. And we all know what amino acids are. And so, you know, studies show that if I believe they, yeah, cut intestine and put it in a Petri dish and one was in saline solution and one was in BPC solution and it regrew in 10 days. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's, well, yeah, it's, that's, it's, (laughs) that's a whole other area, but um, you can, there's a company called Integrative Peptides and they have it because not all peptides are available as a capsule, Uh but luckily the BPC is, and that is really great for any gut which I feel like we all kind of need a round of that. But then you can also do a sub-Q injection. Mm-hmm. Just uh, so you, you activate a vial of the liquid and then you can just do a series of uh, sub-Q injections. And you can find a lot of information on the, oh, you know, you can email us and we can set you up because we've, we've got some resources to set people on, up on their way. Nice. Um, and that's got, I mean, it's got so many benefits. It's a body protective compound. So it's going to be good on like all tissues. It's going to be very healing for, you know, skin. And it's really, it's, it's, it's to know that and to be able, yeah, to get it is like really going to really help people's health. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. Amazing. Cause I know people are struggling with gut issues that are linked to so many other health issues, like way beyond dental, like so yeah. And also it seems yeah. like it's like if, if you, it's like hard to kind of live and heal it at the same time. Cause it's like so hard to do it through diet. So where, if you can get this boost through the peptide, I mean, you're, it's just, it's, a, it's miraculous that we have that available. Yeah, absolutely. I also wanted to talk to you like about what we're putting on our skin. Oh, sorry. Can I just say too, oh, yeah. I wrote an article, it'll be up on our website soon, but I did a article and a podcast for Ben Greenfield. He has a whole episode, I think, on BPC-157, but I also wrote about using BPC-157 for oral care, and it's written out in that article. So people could go to that, too, for some resources. Um, But back over to you. (laughs) Okay, no, perfect. Um, I just wanted to ask you, too, about um, what we're putting on our skin and, like, the typical moisturizers that we're using during the day and, like, you know, all of these seven-step you know, beauty routines that we're all going through, like, what should we be aware of? Because you're really helping me to shift my perspective into understanding that like the products we're putting on our skin is just like what we're eating. Like it's going right into our system. Yeah. And our skin is, is like, it does, it, it absorbs it all in. So it's actually, if you've got something toxic that you're putting on your skin, it can affect your body and bloodstream more than ingesting a toxin. Because when we've ingested it, we're going through 
the mouth, the saliva, the digestive tract, all those amazing acids and enzymes, the liver and the kidneys all play a part in filtering. Whereas the skin, it's pretty much going right in. So it can be kind of like kryptonite. However, we can then also go, oh my God, well, our skin does drink everything in. So let us just apply and bathe in things that will be mitochondrial medicine that will, you know, not just be even neutral for the body, but that will actually benefit us. And so that's what I love working with really true, authentic and genuine botanicals. And there's a thing I have called stop, seal and seed which is a good thing that you can think about whether, you know, is taking care of your oral care or your yoni care or your skin care. So first it's like stop kind of doing the things that are disrupting things. So for mouth, uh, it could be like not using the sodium lauryl sulfate toothpaste or the alcohol mouthwash. Um, Mm -hmm. I have recipes in my books for making your own toothpaste, but seriously, if you just bought, baking soda and use that for the rest of your life. I mean, I think there's more you could do on one level, but if you just use baking soda, your mouth would be better off than any commercial dental product, period. Wow. It's alkalinizing. It's, it's, it's got a nice um, abrasive, abrasivity, yet it's very gentle. It's gentler. It's funny because it, it, people always ask, oh, it's too rough. Mm-hmm. But it actually has a, the, the lowest abrasivity rating. Like it's about a seven, whereas most toothpaste are at about a 60 or 70. Could you mix that with a little like coconut oil? or? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like lit- a little bit of coconut oil, a touch of sea salt, a, a few drops of organic peppermint is so easy. Mm-hmm. And like literally so much would go- be going right for your mouth. So just know that. So it's about stopping or like, you know, are you showering in chlorine or bathing in chlorine? You could get like a $25 shower filter that would be pretty life-changing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, so you got to kind of look at like what, you know, what are the things, what are the practices? Right. And, um, and, we, and for the skin, it's really key to stop washing with surfactants and soap. Mm-hmm. So we need soap for our hands. We got to keep our hands clean and bits. I call it the bits and uh, bits and pits. <laughs> yeah. And I wash your armpits and the bits and that's it. We don't need to lather the leg, the arms, none of that. Right. So we're not going to use soap on a body skin anymore. And for the face, you're going to use oil, mm. which may sound super crazy, especially if you've had cystic acne for 20 years. Um, but this is the ancient ways of cleaning the skin and it really works. It, and now again, you've got to obviously have, we're not using petroleum oil or rancid almond oil. Um, if, so we make beautiful, we call them best skin evers and that's our line of beautiful oil that you can wash your face with cleanse and moisturize. You like literally one bottle could do it all. Mm-hmm. Of course we have creams and serums and, spot treatments and you can have a real field day, but also you can just get the best skin ever and be completely contented and have glowing and radiant skin. So, and so there's that, or, you know, get a really beautiful bottle of true organic extra virgin olive oil or a bottle of organic jojoba oil. And again, you will be better off than any cleanser that's got, you know, surfactants in it or that kind of thing. And we also make soap, but again, you don't need the soap on your face. Mm-hmm. And okay. you just take a wet cloth 
squirt of oil, massage that around your face. You know, if you've got to remove eye makeup, you can put that on a wet uh, cotton round and remove your eye makeup that way. Splash with water and then just add one more squirt and that's your moisturizing and that's it. And it's like transformational. Beautiful. I mean, I love using oils on my skin. I have recently like repaired my skin. I'm not sure quite what happened, but I think I just broke the top barrier down because yes, that's terrible acne. Yeah. Pretty much. I like, I, I'm making a huge statement, but I feel like all the skincare out there, like that modern, you know, drugstore stuff or the or expensive stuff, it, it really messes with that lipid barrier. Mm-hmm. And for a number of reasons, A, we're way over exfoliating, yeah. way too much. So when we over exfoliate with chemicals or with harsh synthetic cleansers or lasers, we are removing the top layer of skin before it's time. And the young cells underneath are too vulnerable to be like the parent cells at that stage. So when we remove that layer, we're also removing, um, and it may sound gross, but healthy, like the bacteria we want, and we want some dead skin cells to feed them, and we need some sebum for them to eat. So again, (laughs) it sounds gross, but we kind of got to step out of the way and let the bacteria be the beautician. So when we over exfoliate and over chemicalize and, and really make that stratum corneum and the lipid barrier weak, it's kind of like going on vacation and leaving your front door open. Uh, the yeah. skin on your face is too vulnerable for the world. Mm. And when you're just using that cloth, we, you know, it, it's just like any face cloth, that texture, that terry texture. We have these organic hemp cloths, which are beautiful, but it doesn't, you know, just like that classic face wash with that oil, that's, the, that's all you need for the exfoliation. And you can do that same thing by wetting the cloth and adding the oil and then just running that over your whole body. Mm-hmm. And your skin will be so soft after. So just do that right after you get out of the bath or shower. Oh my gosh, that's great. I'm also really thinking too about your um, chlorine mention um, in the water. I noticed it so much when I came to LA in this area, like I filled up a bath one night and I could smell the chlorine oh. in the water. And I was like, oh my God, I'm about to get in this water right now. Like something's got to change. So yeah. I, I travel with that, with a filter and I kind of, I don't bathe as much. I mean, hopefully I'm by a source of water when I'm traveling mm-hmm. because uh, yeah, uh, we have to install the shower filter. And even then I'm still like, it's not like home. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, so important. And so basic to think about, like if we can just restructure like from the ground up the way that we're living and just take a good look at, at everything. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, and of course that can be overwhelming, but there's so many little things to do. Like, you know, that shower filter switching off of soap. So there's so many things we can do and really the home and our skin and what we're putting on in and around our bodies, we actually, you know, have some control over and I mean, I am saying don't do a lot of stuff, but really when you kind of go through the other side and you're at this other side of this botanical banquet, so much opens up and it really can be so much fun. And there's so much beauty to be enjoyed, you know, in the care of our bodies with these beautiful plants that we've been developing with, you know, as co-species on the planet. Yeah, I can tell you're having fun with it too, because you're clearly so curious and you're so educated about this. And you only really get to that point if you're curious and you're having fun with it. So, and live, yeah, and like it's just like 
you know, sewn into every fabric of our, of our life. Yes. Okay. From a, just like a personal curiosity too, like our, what do you think about retinols and like, you know, all of that's the hot topic for people that are, you know, in their late twenties and thirties, I guess, switching to using retinols in their routines. Do you have any thoughts about it's so damaging, so risky. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is also when women are, are like, that's when you want to keep your fertility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. It's not like I haven't brushed up in a while because I feel like it comes in and out of fashion like every few, like it was hot in the 90s. It kind of just keeps coming back around. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, <laughs> There's, yep. it's, not, it's, not the right, it's not the right kind of premise. Like you kind of, you know, it's like actually ask the question from a new foundation, you know. Mm-hmm. And again, it's so many skincare solutions out there are creating these little catch 22s. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. You know, breaking something down because it's like a temporary, like no matter what cream you're using, I guess, you know, you'll wash your face and your face will feel plump and moisture. So in that moment, there is an action. Mm-hmm. But like, we don't know, well, we do know some of the long-term stuff, like even something that seems innocuous, like glycerin and KY jelly, when that's studied, we see that through the process of osmolarity, the cells release their water to balance the amount, the information of the jelly on the outside of the cell. So we get this temporary plumping for long-term drought. And when, when vaginal cells are studied under a microscope after the use of, of the KY jelly, they're shriveled up like raisins. They slough off easier from the interior of the vaginal wall and then create an environment that's more susceptible to STDs. Wow. So that's just like one little example of like where we're not asking questions from the right places or making solutions from the right premise, I think anyway. Mm. Yep. No, so helpful. And it, it seems like it's just getting back to nature, like just stick with the basics and what's available to us on our beautiful planet. Like we've just kind of invented all of these things, but it's also, you know, a broader conversation around the beauty industry and women, which is why beauty is almost a feminist issue and wellness because we're being sold so many different products that are really harming us um, in this cycle of trying to keep up um, with beauty and everything. Totally. Um, Well, it's actually, when when I was, totally getting into all my formulas and experimenting. I was also uh, at university and I was taking women's studies and it was like, I was reading the beauty myth and I was seeing like just the history of the medical horrors and the marketing, like marketing that has literally in the beauty marketing that has killed people, right? Mm -hmm. Like just when Lysol was marketed as a douche. Yeah. Women died. You know, (laughs) like that is crazy. It's yeah. like, what, are, what is out there now that we're blind to, you know? And the layering, because we, you know, we don't know. So I guess one of the stats is when a typical North American woman has finished her beauty routine, there's upwards of 200 chemicals. Yep. Jeez. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. We, we all need to go back <laughs> into our little closets and take a look at everything. Yeah. We don't need that much stuff. That's why I love what you're saying about your oil, your cleansing oil. It's like, you, you don't need a seven step process. Just hydrate the skin, put some nice oil on there. Yeah. Well, and, and don't damage it. First of all, in the first five steps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nadine, the last thing I kind of wanted to touch on 
with you is um, your sense of community and how you built such an amazing business. Is there any like kind of business advice you would give to people in this realm? Yeah. So, so it's so many angles with business. It's almost like, Oh, which, where would that come from? But I feel no. like really, you know, obviously follow what's calling you and hear those inner, inner intuitions and voices. Um, but no too, like if it's something you're, there's going to be bottlenecks and moments where you're going to have to take that passion thing, but it's going to get a little unpassioned, you know, especially if it's business, there's going to be a moment where you think you're going to be mainlining Jasmine and making perfumes for the rest of your life. But then you've got to deal with accountants and lawyers and all that kind of stuff. So you have to have enough, whatever heart and soul and excitement about what you're doing. I think to take you through moments like that. Mm -hmm. And then always, you know, it's really a dance and your role in what you do is always going to evolve. And so, you know, it's like any relationship, right? Like even a marriage or a child's, you know, relationship to a child. I mean, hopefully you're always growing that and moving together, moving forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's beautiful advice. It's just basically like, keep, keep steady in your passion. And if you really love what you're doing, you're going to be willing to, to take on everything else that comes at you with it. Yeah. It'll feel, it'll be easier. Yeah. <laughs> and what are, is there anything in particular that you're working on now that you're excited about? Um, well, I'm excited cause summer's coming. Yeah. It's always like, so working with, with the land and nature in a way that I don't get to in, in winter. And then I'm super excited about peptides. I mean, that's something I've been studying for two years mm. and I actually um, have been studying with Dr. William seeds and have a, got a certification in peptides just for my own, own practical use. And then there's so many exciting compounds coming out. I have, um, so we have some exciting stuff coming out. We've got a new immortal best skin ever coming out. Mm-hmm. I've got a new EMF free electric toothbrush that we've just launched. I've got a new toothpaste coming out with an amazing mineral that was used to remineralize astronauts' teeth because wow. they experience a lot of bone loss. Um, we've got some more doodabs coming out. We've got morning doodab and queen do, which is just like the do our doodabs are so popular. Those are like our spot treatments for like blemishes and melasma and things that you're like, Hmm, what is that thing Uh (laughs) on my face or skin? (laughs) So yeah, lots of exciting product developments and, uh, yeah. So cool. Thank you for sharing. I mean, you're like a scientist over here. This is your, your knowledge is just so, um, you know, intricate and in depth, you've really done such amazing research. So I'm so grateful to have had you on the show and like learn about this. It's really expanded my mind. So thank you so much. Thank you. Well, it's such a pleasure to get to know you, Helen. Oh, thank you. And then where can people find you and connect with you? So our main hub is livinglibations.com and you can find other articles and resources there. You can email us any question and we'll do our best. And we also have free half hour consults. And my books are available there and anywhere books are sold. They're also available as audiobooks. Oh, and nice. then we've got uh, Nadine Artemis Official and Living Libations Official on Instagram. Perfect. And I'll put that all in the description so that people can find you really easily. But thank you again for being here. And uh, I can't wait for people to connect with you. 
All right, my friends, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Again, you can find Nadine at Nadine Artemis Official on Instagram to see what she's up to. I'm at Helen Denham underscore on Instagram, and my website's HelenDenham.com, where you can find blog posts, past podcast episodes, links to my music, all the good stuff. And of course, my uh, new course, Cultivating Confidence, which I'm so excited to be sharing with you guys. And uh, yeah, have a beautiful rest of your day. And I will talk to you soon.